Global Connections Television is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guests. We invite you to go to the website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous shows. If you are involved with a PBS or community access television station or an educational institution that has an intra-campus television hookup or perhaps a podcast or just a computer and would like to share the programs, please feel free to do so. Global Connections is provided at no cost to help people in the U.S. and worldwide better understand how international issues impact our lives. Welcome to today's Global Connections program. I'm Bill Miller. Today we're going to talk about a very interesting report called the World Social Report 2023. My guest today is Mr. John Wilmoth. Mr. Wilmoth, a U.S. national, is the director of the Department of Economic and Social Affairs Population Development at the United Nations. Mr. John Wilmoth, welcome to today's Global Connections program. Hello, Bill. Nice to be here. I appreciate you being with me. Let's, we always do this as sort of a ritual. Let's talk for a moment or two about DESA, the Department for Economic and Social Affairs, and also your population division. Just briefly, what what is their main mission of each? Well, broadly speaking, the Department of Economic and Social Affairs concerns itself with one of the major pillars of, of the United Nations, which is development. And uh, it supports countries in their efforts to develop economically and socially, and also to do that in, in, in considering also the environmental context. And so we support intergovernmental discussions on everything related to uh, sustainable development. Uh, and we produce um, uh, analytical studies uh, and data sets that are relevant for an understanding of uh, development processes all around the world. So, for example, the population division is well known for producing the global estimates and projections of global population that are often uh, quoted and, and referred to and that are that serve as an input to various other discussions, because in the end, uh, development is about people and knowing how many people there are and how old they are and uh, how many men, women, different groups. Uh, that's that's fundamental. That's kind of the starting point, I think, for any discussion about development is is the people that we're talking about. Exactly. The data is absolutely critical. And our viewers, to get more information, they can either Google DESA or Department for Economic and Social Affairs, or they can go to the website that we'll put in the lower thirds. Well, let's jump right into your report. What are a couple of the major findings or conclusions or, or recommendations, perhaps, of this particular report? and of the World Social Report 2023. Right. Well, the, the World Social Report is one of the flagship publications of the Department of Economic and Social Affairs, uh, and it covers various topics uh, around, uh, focused on social development. Uh, there's another flagship publication on economic uh, issues. Uh, but this World Social Report, uh, this is the first time, actually, that three divisions of the department came together to work on this uh, report the division for inclusive social development as well as the economic analysis and policy division as well as the population division we all work together on this so you get kind of the perspective of the demography and the economics and social development uh, all together in this report i think that's one of its strengths uh but uh the key messages well i think uh, one important point is that the world's population is aging and i think maybe most people know that but the extent to which that's happening and how dramatic it is, 
The number of people above age 65 is projected to roughly double in size between now and uh, 2050. It's currently just over 760 million people in the world who are age, age 65 or above. Uh, and that number will double, more than double, to around 1.6 billion uh, at mid-century. And, uh, you know, similarly, even for the oldest age groups, uh, they're increasing even more rapidly. So the population above age 80, for example, is going to triple in size between now and 2050. So there's this growth in the proportion, in the number of older persons and also in the older population as a proportion of the total that continues to increase. And countries are at various stages of this progression uh, towards older populations, but it's happening uh, really universally in the world. All countries are going through this process that we call the demographic transition, which is a shift towards longer lives and smaller families, so fewer births, a lower fertility rate, a lower mortality rate, and a lower fertility rate. And this change, this demographic transition has two major consequences. One is that growth happens because typically the, the decline in the death rate happens before the decline in the birth rate. And so for a period of time, there's sort of an imbalance and between you know an excess of births over deaths, you might say, leading to rapid population growth. That process, growth eventually comes to an end. Uh, and we project that the size of the global population will stabilize before the end of this century. But the thing that's permanent is the shift in the age distribution uh, over the course of this demographic transition, where the population shifts from being concentrated at younger ages to being concentrated at older ages. And this is a permanent change. And so I think it's very important for people to understand that population aging is the inevitable consequence of this demographic transition towards longer lives and smaller families. And nobody wants to go backwards on that process. Nobody wants to go back to a time when life expectancy was under 50 years globally, uh, you know, um, in 1950, that was true. Global life expectancy was about 46 years. Today, it's around, it's over 70 uh, globally. Nobody wants to go backwards on that. And nobody wants to go backwards in terms of the number of births that are happening, because that would cause growth, obviously. So uh, a, an aged world is our future, uh, a world in which a, a much larger percentage of the population is, is at age of 65 or above, or however you want to define the older age group. This is a permanent feature of our societies moving forward. So I think that's one of the key messages of the report. And that's certainly a key message and one that we have to take seriously because obviously we have to deal with it. It's there and it's not going to go away. It's going to intensify. It raises so several public policy, well, private sector policy questions too. How do labor forces bring in new workers to fill the jobs we see right now? There are many jobs in the United States and in other mature economies, if you will, or developed economies that are looking or almost begging for people to come into the professions. We see that certain systems, for example, the social security system basically depends upon a certain number of workers currently working to feed into the system so that the retirees will have their benefits. How will we deal with those problems in the future? Well, uh, it's it's important to understand that the shift of population goes from younger to older ages. That's true. The the big change, if you think of the population in three age groups, children, working ages, and then older persons, the big shift is really between children and the older age group. Uh, the size of the working age population over the course of the demographic transition does not change a lot as a percentage of the total population. So it's really a shift 
from one end to the other. And the, and the, the middle the middle age group is really more or less the same as a proportion of the population. But it does in some cases, in extreme cases where fertility drops very low, then the working age population starts to decline as a proportion of the total population too. So that is sometimes a cause for concern, uh, the kind of the <clears throat> shrinking in the size of the working age population, especially relative to the older population. But you also have a smaller population of children to take care of and a larger population of older people. So in some sense, there's a trade-off between these two. The working age population has to kind of uh, share its income and its resources with these other two age groups that tend to be more dependent. Uh, one of those dependent age groups is getting smaller. One is getting larger as a proportion of the total population. Uh, however, it's not just a question of a trade-off. Well, now we have fewer children, but more older persons. Uh, the older people in our societies tend to consume more, and that's especially true when it comes to things like healthcare. Uh, and so, the total cost per person uh, for an elder for an older person is is much higher in most countries than for a child. And so that that means that the the you know the total cost to society of supporting a population a growing population of older persons, uh, who, some of whom are dependent truly dependent on the working age population, uh, but not all older persons. That's to say, once you hit this arbitrary threshold of, of age sixty five, not all older persons are dependent, or they don't need to be dependent. Let's say, and there are. Uh, opportunities for them to continue to be involved. There should be opportunities for them to continue to be involved in the labor force. So as far as addressing any labor force shortages that may develop as a result of this process of population aging, uh, there are several things that countries can do. One is to allow older persons who are still vigorous and have a lot to contribute to allow them to continue uh, engaging in, in labor force activities. Another uh, strategy is to increase opportunities for women to participate in the labor force because women's labor force participation globally is still lower than that of men. Uh, and other opportunities, uh, other ways to, if, if there are gaps in the workforce because of this process of population aging, there are various ways to address it. Uh, allowing older people to work more, uh, encouraging women to work more, uh, bringing in more migrants from other countries that may have younger populations. Uh, all of these are different approaches. Uh, and then there are technological solutions as well. Some countries like Japan in particular have increased uh, their use of robotics uh, as a way to kind of fill gaps in the labor market that they're facing. So there are various strategies for ways to reinforce uh, the working age population, the labor force, uh, if if it is not uh, you know keeping up in size with the older population. And there, there's this concern about the fiscal imbalances. So and another part of this adjustment mechanism can be uh, gradually increasing the retirement age, the age at which people become eligible for uh, official pensions. You know, the official retirement age can move up slowly over time. And I know there's a lot of political resistance often to doing that. But if you look at the big picture, picture of the changing demography of the global population, it seems only sensible that we will shift our notion of the life course, that the life course you know, the life course as we know it, or, 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 as, our, or as our ancestors knew it, uh, can change because of the fact that we're living longer and we're healthier at older ages. We can continue working uh, in, in, in many professions. That's true. Of course, it's not true across the board for all professions. Uh, in, in places, in, in professions where people do a lot of heavy physical labor, for example, uh, it may be more difficult to continue working past age 65 than those who do mental work, uh, you know, at, at, at a desk job. Well, it's certainly a very interesting study and a very important study. 
Well, you're watching Global Connections Television, which is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guest. We'd invite our viewers to go to our website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous programs. Also, if you're involved with a PBS or Community Access Television Station or an educational institution that has an intra-campus television hookup, or you have a podcast, or you just have a computer and you like our show and you would like to share it, please feel free to do so. Global Connections Television is provided at no cost as a public service to help us better understand international issues and how they impact our lives. Today, we're talking about a very interesting report that recently came out of the United Nations. My guest today is Mr. John Wilmoth, who is a U.S. national, and he is the director of the Department of Economic and Social Affairs Population Division at the United Nations. And we are discussing the World Social Report 2023. There's so many aspects of this we could talk about, John. One thing that comes to mind, regardless of any report or any conclusion or any recommendations are the sustainable development goals, the 17 sustainable development goals that were adopted by the UN General Assembly and came online, I guess, 2016, and will run through 2030, a 15-year time cycle. And there are 17 logical, practical, quantifiable, achievable goals to eradicate poverty, to promote good health, to promote higher education, empower women, combat climate change, just on across the board. How do these tie into what you're dealing with? And were there certain goals? I know every one of them would apply to anybody in the aging process, let's put it like that. But were there certain ones that you focused on and brought into your report? Well, the specific goals, you know, the place, some people have criticized the goals for not having a specific reference to older persons and and, and not having you know specific goals and targets that would uh, address the the issues uh, that that older people face, but I think the way that the uh, uh, this um, the 2030 agenda for sustainable development, which includes the sustainable development goals, the way that that we've tried to frame it in this report is in the context of of an overarching principle of the 2030 agenda, which is that uh, we will ensure that no one is left behind. The governments have promised that they they have pledged that no one will be left behind. Uh, in in the world as we move forward in a, in a, in what is overall a prosperous world no one should be left behind and uh, in fact the subtitle to the report it's the world social report 2023 and then the subtitle is leaving no one behind in an aging world and i think this is the issue is the question of to what extent are older persons or some group of older persons being left behind because society is not taking the steps that it could take uh, to ensure that they have the, the support and the protection that they need. And so, you know, we have an interesting situation where in the in the richer countries, everyone thinks about the public pension systems and the health care that's provided by the government, and they're concerned about the costs of all of this. Uh, and, and, and there's a discussion about the retirement age and should the retirement age go up and so forth. And yet for most countries of the world, for most populations, they don't have those kinds of programs. Uh, you know, the governments are not providing regular pensions to people when they retire. Uh, and so the issue is much less about you know financing the public programs. It's about creating the public programs that would provide the type of support that is needed at, at for the older population to ensure that no one is left behind. 
Um, if you look at one way to think about this, if you look at the the the, the wealthier countries, the de developed countries, as we often call them, uh, about two thirds of the consumption above age sixty five is financed by public mechanisms through public programs, through public pensions and healthcare and so forth. And that's about two thirds of the consumption of, of older persons that's paid for through those sorts of programs in the developed countries. In the developing countries, it, that that is a very small share of the total that comes from public coffers. And so people have to rely on savings uh, from their earlier uh, work life, they or they continue working, or they count on family members. Uh, so there is not the same kind of social protection system. Those social protection systems have not evolved or developed as much in many countries of the world. And there's a real need to anticipate the fact that these populations are going to be aging and they will age just like the developed countries have grown older. And there will be an increasing need for public systems to support uh, the older population. But I would say, and one of the key messages of the report is that you can't just start with the older, you should not just start with the older population in terms of supporting them and ensuring that no one is left behind. The kind of support that, that is provided, uh, it, it should really focus across the age group because inequalities only tend to compound themselves uh, over, over age. You know, if you, um, if, you start falling far, if you start falling behind relative to your peers when you're young, then that tends to continue when you're an adult. And by the time you become an older person, uh, you know, you you may really be in a position where it's difficult to uh, compete or fend for yourself if you've fallen behind in, in terms of advantages, in terms of education and uh, past income. Uh, it's very hard then to compensate for that at older ages, obviously. So it's important to ensure that no one is left behind in an aging world. It's important to ensure that no one is left behind from birth. That's one of the key messages of the report. Everyone has to move forward together, without a doubt. It seems that every time we discuss anything, we always have to bring up COVID-19. I almost hate to do it, but how dramatically has, which we all know the answer probably, but how dramatically has the COVID-19 pandemic affected what, well, this aging group, but also your study and really the development of the Sustainable Development Goals? Or the well, achievement, I should say. That's a very big question. I will give you one, uh, I think, really telling statistic on this. Uh, you know, the population division is responsible for measuring global mortality and life expectancy. And we worked very closely with the World Health Organization on estimating the number of deaths that are that were associated with the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, meaning not only people who died directly from the disease, but people who died because the, the after effects are the, the kind of adjacent effects due to the pandemic. So, for example, people who may have died from heart disease because they didn't get immediate treatment in hospitals or something like that. Those. So it, when we when we talk about the excess deaths associated with the pandemic, it includes both types of, of, of deaths and and the work that the World Health Organization did on that. Uh, we we were involved in that work and then we incorporated that work into what we do in estimating global life expectancy. And so the conclusion that we came up with uh, was that between 2019 and 2021, uh, life expectancy for the world dropped about 1.8 years, which is really a huge drop in life expectancy over the space of two years. It's an unprecedented drop, really, to see on a global scale uh, that level of decline. We had not seen that uh, for more than 50 years. And uh, so it was really, uh, there is a dramatic effect in terms of the, the impact on life expectancy globally of COVID-19. Um, but we do expect that 
the world is recovering from that and that essentially uh, the trend in life expectancy at birth will get back onto its long-term trend uh, within two or three years. Uh, you know, we're not sure exactly when the world will be fully out of this pandemic. And we know that COVID-19 is probably not going to disappear. It will become an endemic disease instead of a, a, a pandemic. But uh, uh, it, it will continue to have some, some people will continue to die from COVID-19, but it will become one of many causes of death that people die from. And it probably won't have a noticeable impact on global life expectancy moving forward. That's our expectation. Now, you've studied this topic, and in your professional finding, well, in your opinion and findings, what do you see as the major one or two obstacles as we move forward in identifying this problem and working towards a solution? Which problem are you referring to? Well, it could be the aging process. It could be just a variety of other issues affecting this population. Well, I think, as, as I was saying before, I think the major issue is... is, is um, is the lack of uh, social protection systems in many countries of the world so that the older population, which is growing in all countries, uh, slowly, it's starting to grow even in the, in the, even in the countries that are farthest behind in this process of demographic transition or the most, you know, at the most at the start, uh, the, the older population is starting to grow even in countries of Africa, let's say. And in other countries, the the growth has taken off and has been going on for several decades, and it's really becoming quite noticeable. Uh, and so in all of these countries, it's important to think about what kinds of public programs are available to ensure that there's a minimum level of income for everyone uh, when they get into that age group. Uh, because we know that at some point, if you live long enough, uh, we all will face this reduction of functional capacity and uh, the ability to work will uh, go down. And at some point we may all need that kind of support. And it's very important that, that countries have a, a regular system of, of pensions to provide a, a basic level of income support for all people. That's extremely important. Well, John, we're down to about our last 30 seconds. And in, in that last 30 seconds, what would be your message to our viewers today as far as focusing on this study and these issues? Well, you know, I think sometimes uh, when people talk about population aging, it's there's kind of a negative connotation to it. Uh, people will talk about the problem of population aging and so forth. But our perspective is quite different. Actually, we see population aging as a great sign of human success. Uh, it reflects the fact that uh, there's been this enormous reduction in death rates all across the world. Uh, life expectancy has gone up. And uh, human populations have found ways to lower the birth rate, and so that we've slowed. We're slowing down growth, but we're going to have forever. We're going to have a much older population than we had in the past. This is not a problem so much as it is a sign of our success. You know, there are. It does bring challenges uh, that we need to think about how to make the adjustments in other aspects of life to make it a success. But it, it is already a great success. The fact that, that that we have so many people at older ages is a sign of our success. It's not a problem. And this is one that we can deal with. And as, as you said, no one can be left behind. And we all have to work on it together. We have to move forward together or we will not be successful. But it's a very important study. And we would encourage everyone to take a look at it. But John Wilmoth with the Department for Economic and Social Affairs at the United Nations, I want to thank you so very much for a very interesting and a very informative program.
Thank you, Bill. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. I'm Bill Miller. Thank you for joining us today on Global Connections Television.